Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Monday the 12th of April and today on The Briefing, the New Zealand travel bubble. Will you go? Are you worried about getting caught up in a snap lockdown? Seems like a lot of Australians aren't too worried. The interest for New Zealand has been huge. We've been inundated with inquiries for ski holidays into New Zealand and and probably had up to 10 times what we'd normally get. Yeah, we're going to have a look inside the bubble in today's briefing. This is a country that is so well set up for tourism. It, it makes me jealous in some ways. They are they are <laughs> really nailing it over there. All right, first, let's get into the big news of the day with Annika Smethurst. Hey, Annika. Hey, Tom. The Prime Minister has abandoned any targets of getting all Australians vaccinated by the end of the year. Yeah, in a Facebook post last night, Scott Morrison said the government had not set nor has any plans to set any new targets for completing first doses. Up until yesterday afternoon, government ministers were still hopeful all Australians would receive the jab by the end of the year. That's the goal that we've set, is to try and have uh, all Australians uh, have a dose by by the end of the year. So that's Trade Minister Dan Tian saying that in the morning on Sky News and then Morrison contradicted that essentially in his post later yesterday saying it will be no longer possible to set vaccine targets given the uncertainties involved. Um, what do you make of this, Annika? It's obviously a difficult one for the government to handle. I guess with the latest advice that people under the age of 50 shouldn't, you know, there is some warning, it's a minor risk, you still get a choice in the matter. But because there is that choice and we don't know when we're getting Pfizer vaccines to sort of, I guess, fill that void, there's really no way they can do it. I think it's terribly disappointing that there's no timeline. We should know when we'll be able to be vaccinated I think they're going to have to fix that as soon as we get some orders in the process. But at the moment, I guess we we have to be honest and all the experts say you've got to be upfront about all the side Mm. effects and and how this is being rolled out. So they really didn't have a choice. I do remember you saying on this podcast that setting um, timelines for targets was a dangerous business as a politician. Politically, absolutely. But I think, you know, they've got to remember who they work for. They work for us. This is being funded with public money, so we do have the right to know when we'll get a vaccine, I think. Yeah, the government's also moved on the weekend to reassure GPs who were worried that they could be sued by their patients if they suffer vaccine side effects. We have strong, clear indemnity protection against any side effects of the vaccine for patients and doctors. And Trade Minister Dan Tian will travel to Europe on Wednesday to urge his counterparts to allow vaccines paid for by Australia but manufactured on the continent to make their way to Australia. And a Category 3 cyclone has hit Western Australia. Uh, with winds of up to 170 k's an hour, Tropical Cyclone Saroja crossed the coast near Kalbarri at 8pm last night. The cyclone will track inland and it will remain at cyclone intensity, gradually weakening overnight until the early hours of the morning. Meteorologist Adam Morgan speaking to the ABC there. The small community of Kalbarri will be surveying the damage today. The WA Premier Mark McGowan said cyclones aren't common to the central region of Western Australia and significant damage was expected. Tropical cyclone Saroja is like nothing we have seen before in decades. People need to act to stay safe. Rain and wind gusts will be felt right across southern Western Australia as that storm keeps moving south, uh, potentially as far as Esperance. Deadly violence is continuing in Myanmar. At least 82 people were killed in a single day on Friday when security forces clashed with pro-democracy protesters northeast of the capital, Yangon. More than 700 protesters and bystanders have been killed in total by security forces since the nation's army staged a coup in early February. 
Uh, that's when uh, the democratically elected leader Aung San Suu Kyi and other politicians were arrested. Many of the demonstrators blame China for the coup and Chinese assets are being targeted by the protesters. And Prince Andrew's been the latest royal to pay tribute to his father, Prince Philip, in Prince Andrew's first comments in two years. I feel very sorry and supportive of my mother, who's um, feeling it, I think, probably more than everybody else. She described it as, as, as having left a huge void. Prince Andrew spoke to the media outside the Royal Family Chapel in Windsor, where he was attending a service with his family. The 62-year-old hasn't spoken publicly since that controversial interview with the BBC in 2019, where he was grilled about his relationship with the convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. The Queen was not at that surface, but was reportedly by Prince Philip's bedside when he died at Windsor Castle on Friday at the age of 99. A minute's silence will be observed across the UK on Saturday to coincide with his funeral. And Annika, it's been reported that his coffin will be transported in a Land Rover that Prince Philip helped customise. Very fitting, I think. All right, we'll catch you tomorrow, Annika. Um, Jam Fran's joining us because we're going skiing in New Zealand. G'day, it's Jan Fran here, and let me take you back to the moment that we had all been waiting for. I can confirm that quarantine-free travel between New Zealand and Australia will commence in just under two weeks' time. Hooray! That was the New Zealand <laughs> Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern last week announcing that as of Monday, the 19th of April, the travel bubble between Australia and New Zealand will reopen. Are you going to try and go? I'm going to try and go, yeah. I don't know if I'll um, get a chance to, but I am definitely going to try and go. When I heard it was reopening, I was like, ooh, ski holiday in New Zealand. (laughs) Yeah, well, a lot of people have had the same reaction. During about a six-hour period, we saw about a hundredfold increase in the sales. And in fact, during that period, we did more sales than what we have ever done in the history of Air New Zealand across the Tasman. Oof, that was the CEO of Air New Zealand, Greg Foran, who reckons that there was a 100-fold increase in ticket sales between Australia and New Zealand right after that announcement by Jacinda Ardern was made. Look, it just seems that Australians and New Zealanders are keen to head to each other's countries. But before you do that, though, a warning. Those undertaking travel on either side of the ditch will do so under the guidance of flyer beware. Yeah, so today on The Briefing, what you should know before you fly across the ditch. The obvious question is... Could you get stuck in quarantine, which would really kill the vibe? Mm. So, Jen, when Jacinda Ardo made that announcement, she did give us a framework, a traffic-style framework of how this whole thing will work. Talk us through that. Yeah, there was some detail there. So a green light sort of means that if there's a case that's been linked to a quarantine worker in Australia and it's contained quickly, the bubble continues. So don't freak out if you hear that there's been one case in one particular state. Orange means that if there's a localised outbreak that leads to a sort of short lockdown, so what we saw happen recently in Brisbane, the bubble's paused for up to 72 hours. And then there's red, and that means if there's a number of community cases in a particular state in Australia with an unknown source, the bubble is suspended for an extended period of time. It's an interesting one to try and interpret, especially that orange light, because there can be a range of different things they introduce there, like you might have to go into isolation or you might have to test before getting on the flight and that can be adjusted 
depending on where the outbreak is and can be done differently state to state. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get 100% certainty here, but Jacinda Ardern is at the very least trying to etch a bit closer to that. There are also a number of key precautions that are being taken. So there's face masks on planes, Mm. um, there's random temperature checks that you have to do, you'll have to use NZ's COVID tracing app while you're there. wonder if it works better than ours. Well, anything would work better than ours, I reckon. Um, In the airports, there'll be no contact with travellers who are coming in from other countries that are operating outside of the bubble, so a bunch of things in place. Yeah, so let's find out more about how those uncertainties might play out and about the level of excitement for travelling to New Zealand. Uh, Quentin Nolan runs Liquid Snow Tours. He runs tours in Japan and New Zealand. He's running a music festival in Queenstown in September. Quentin, thanks for joining us. How much interest has there been in New Zealand since the announcement last week? The interest for New Zealand has been huge. We've been inundated with inquiries for ski holidays into New Zealand and, and probably had up to 10 times what we'd normally get wow. when um, when New Zealand's open in this last week. So it's kind of been a bit of a challenge because we've come off 12 months of not really operating to a large extent and staff, some staff being made redundant and whatnot to just absolutely getting slammed all at once. So how are you managing the other side of the coin, Quentin? Like there's a lot of positivity and excitement there, obviously, but what if what if there is a local outbreak and they stop travel? How will you deal with that and how, how worried are you that some of your clients might end up in quarantine? Everyone's being really flexible. So our cancellation terms are pretty much you can cancel right up until the last day if it's due to COVID, if there's an outbreak or they shut borders. So that sort of manages it on one side with before people go on their trip. And then if they're over there and there was an outbreak and they got delayed and they potentially had to stay in New Zealand for a bit longer or um, come back and quarantine here, in a large respect, that would negate the people that would have been coming over to stay in that hotel. So the hotels have been like, we should be able to manage that and extend people's stay if they're stuck here. The worst case scenario you get a few more days of skiing in. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that, if, you're, if you're stuck in New Zealand and it's snowing, that's fine. I guess probably the, the most annoying outcome for people would be if they ended up in a Ibis hotel in like the CBD of Sydney when they weren't expecting it. Yeah. People are really aware of the risks and so there are some risks. You know, what we find is our skis and snowboarders are super passionate and they want to get over every year and as long as they know what those risks are before they go, which it's clearly communicated, then it's something that they're kind of willing to take on. So that was Quentin Nolan running ski tours to New Zealand. Mm. Well, Ben Groundwater is a writer for traveller.com.au. Ben, you're slightly more concerned about getting stuck in quarantine amid this bubble. Tell us why. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people will be to start with at least um, because we've seen what's happened with the states in Australia, you know, people being caught in the wrong state and not being able to get home sometimes or or cancelling plans. And obviously that's still going to happen with the New Zealand bubble, but possibly exacerbated because you could find yourself stuck in another country. Um, New Zealand have said that they're sort of on the lookout for cases in Australia and if there is community transmission in Australia that they're going to start to pause flights or they're going to suspend flights to that state Um, And of course, you know, the Australian states, depending on where you live, are going to be doing that same thing. So there is a chance of being stuck in the wrong country and you will be hit up for for all the the expenses because you can't get insurance for COVID at the moment. Do you think that both Australia and New Zealand are going to be as um, trigger happy, I suppose, with closing the borders or have we got tracing and testing under control a little bit more now? 
the great hope is that the the premiers and and Jacinda Ardern will will exercise a bit of a lighter touch than they than they perhaps have been in the past. I think the chances of being stuck and and having to go through that full two week quarantine is very very slim. Um, you know, I, I would hope. You know, Jacinda Ardern has said that that she wants to, if if she sees that there are uh, cases in in border workers or in quarantine staff, she's not going to be bothered about that. She's not going to shut any borders mm. for that. Uh, and you'd hope the Australian premiers would follow suit. And another thing to consider is that the only cases that they've had in New Zealand have been in the Auckland area and the only lockdowns they've had have been in the Auckland area. For Australians, if you really want to cut down your risk of getting stuck in a situation where you can't get out of New Zealand because Australia has shut the borders, I would recommend probably avoiding Auckland and maybe avoiding the North Island altogether. If you're on the Mm. South Island, your chances of being stuck there are, are actually really, really slim, I would say. And being stuck there is probably so much better as well. Um, Ben, one of the, I I would say the art of living in a pandemic is um, understanding uncertainty and finding ways to avoid it or or, or deal with it. Yeah. And so I wonder if you're you're planning a holiday that it's all, the, the uncertainty around it almost undermines, you know, the benefit, the uncertainty that as you, you look forward to this holiday that it might not happen or the uncertainty while you're over there enjoying it that you might get stuck. Um, do you think that trade-off won't be worth it for some people? My advice to people if they want to enjoy the holiday and they want to enjoy the lead up to the holiday is try to be as, as flexible and relaxed as possible. Um, and, and that could include, you know, waiting until the last minute to book your flights, depending on mm. the price and, and how they're changing. Mm. So because, you know, so that you're not trying to trying to get a refund, which is a really difficult thing or trying to shift your flights around. Um, the same with accommodation. Keep an eye out for accommodation that offers flexible booking that is going to give you refunds if you can't make it. And, and same with tours and other activities. There are people out there who are adapting to the environment in the same way that travellers are and and trying to make things as easy as possible for them. Ben, do you think consistency here would help? Because we don't have consistency in Australia between the states regarding when they shut the borders, why they shut the borders or hotspot definition. But do you think if we did have some kind of consistency, both within Australia and also now within the travel bubble, that that would help allay people's fears a little bit? Oh, 100%. Consistency is the holy grail as far as travellers are concerned, as far as I'm concerned for, for in particular. It was actually really heartening in, in Jacinda Ardern's yeah. uh, press conference to see her actually lay out some parameters and say, this is what yeah. we're looking for and this is what we're going to do if we see that. That was incredible. You know, you're looking at Australia and thinking, why don't the state premiers start doing That's that That's leadership, well? isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, it, it made me feel so much better about the idea of going over there and at least having some sort of element of predictability to the experience. So, Ben, tell us more about traveling in New Zealand. There's the there's sort of obvious things that, you know, we, we know about, like skiing or bungee jumping, all the sort of adventure tourism of, you know, the, the South Island in particular. What else is amazing to do there for young people? This is probably the greatest destination for a road trip going around. Mm. Um, Oof, if big you, call. If, I know it is. It's a massive call. But, you know, the scenery in, in, in New Zealand is incredible. The, uh, the quality of the roads is amazing. You know, you never have to worry about whether you're going to get yourself stuck on some dirt road in the middle of nowhere and not be able to handle it. Um, the facilities are great. You can free camp um, basically anywhere in New Zealand. If you pull over, if you've got toilet facilities on board that are enclosed, you can pull over your van anywhere and camp. You're totally free to do that. This is a country that is so well set up for tourism. It, it makes me jealous in some ways. They are they are <laughs> really nailing it over there. Um, if you're into cycling, there's amazing multi-day cycle trails oh, yeah, all around yeah. the country. Mm-hmm. If you're into hiking, they've got these great multi-day hiking trips where you stay in, uh, in, in this beautiful sort of hut accommodation each night. Um, and there's companies that will move your bags between the, between the huts if you want to. 
if you're into food and wine, that's also a pretty big thing over there at the moment. You know, there's plenty of wine areas. Central Otago is a, is a really well-known wine area around uh, the Queenstown kind of uh, Wanaka area. And also, obviously, you've got Marlborough and you've got Hawke's Bay. It's, I mean, it's, it's such a spectacular place. I just want to, like... Just, Sounding ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> just a caveat here. You're not being paid by Tourism NZ. I am not. You're not and, being and paid feel, to say I any of this. Australia because this is, this is a really important time to see Australia and, and spend our money in Australia Question. and support our, our fellow countrymen. But at the same time, New Zealand has, has really got a lot going on and it's so exciting, this prospect of being able to go overseas again. And just to settle a debate Dan and I were having off air, you know, a lot of people are going to New Zealand because they, they want to go skiing there. But is the skiing in New Zealand actually better than the skiing in Australia or is it just a nicer experience and cheaper? Uh, I mean, Tom, you're in a good position to judge that as well. <laughs> I have you? a strong view. <laughs> well, he's Team Australia, unless right. you're talking about Japan or potentially Canada. Well, my, my view is that New Zealand is a great ski holiday, the whole rounded experience, because Queenstown is so beautiful and those mountains are so beautiful. But when you look at the actual metrics of the resorts, the amount of vertical drop, skiable area, when the snow's good in Australia, it's just as good in the Aussie resorts. Yeah, and, and one thing you can do in Australia that you can't do in New Zealand is the ski in, ski out accommodation. Hello, um, you know, if you oh, yeah. staying, staying in the village in Threadbove, that's a, that's a unique experience for our area. You can't do oh, that. Oh, my New goodness. We're getting so <laughs> granular here we're because off Tom, we're off, we're off track. We're on the <laughs> ski track because Tom is so into it. Hopefully, one of us at least will be able to get to New Zealand this year. I'm crossing all my fingers and toes. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm super pumped for it as well. To begin with, I was kind of thinking, oh, no, it's too risky. Um, but the more I consider it, the more excited I am to, to get over there and have a little trip. So, uh, yeah, hopefully I'm one of those people. That was Ben Groundwater, travel writer, really getting us excited about the idea of going to New Zealand. Yeah, I, mean, I think New Zealand would be excited. Australian tourism on an, in a normal year brings about $2.5 billion into the NZ economy. Should it resume, it probably will bring about half that. But, you know, they'd be wanting it to ramp back up, no doubt. Um, yeah, and I do wonder if, like, it will be hard to get bookings. One one vibe I'm picking up on post kind of lockdown era is just this enthusiasm and zeal for people reclaiming their lives. You see mm. it in the traffic on the streets. You see it in the housing market. Getting a restaurant booking, certainly booking holidays in regional Australia has been really hard. So I think it will be pretty, pretty competitive getting those great experiences in New Zealand as well. So you're going to jump in or you're going to give it a few months for it to settle and then decide what you want to do? I'm pretty keen. Get in there. Tomorrow on The Briefing, could overworked paramedics be putting people's lives at risk? Listener.